0: Melissa Elizabeth Lucio was born in Lubbock, Texas on July 18, 1968. She would have a number of romantic relationships during her life, including being married at the age of 16. Many of her partners mistreated her. Melissa was also surrounded by other types of criminality, like people committing drug offenses. She spent her life in poverty and at times was homeless. In 2007, Melissa lived with her boyfriend, Robert Alvarez, along with nine of her 14 children. They resided in Harlingen, Texas. Now, moving to the timeline of the crime. About 7 p.m. on February 17, 2007, paramedics were dispatched to Melissa's residence due to a call about Melissa's two year old daughter, Mariah. When the paramedics arrived, they found Mariah unattended on the floor of the living room. She was not breathing and had no pulse. They noted that Melissa was distant and not overly distressed about Mariah's condition. She was not even within arm's reach of Mariah and made no effort to hold her. The paramedics attempted to resuscitate Mariah. They transported her to the hospital. Efforts to resuscitate her continued there, but they were unsuccessful. Mariah was pronounced dead. Here's what the investigation into Mariah's death found. Mariah's arm had been broken for between two and seven weeks. She was covered with bruises in various stages of healing. She had bite marks on her neck, and some of her hair had been pulled out by the roots. On the night that Mariah died, Melissa told first responders that Mariah had fallen down a flight of stairs. Melissa was interviewed by the police that night, starting just before 10 p.m. She repeated her story about Mariah falling down the stairs. Although she admitted that she sometimes spanked Mariah, Melissa repeatedly denied doing anything more serious than that. She didn't know who caused Mariah's injuries. Her kids were rough with her daughter, so maybe they did it. For over three hours, Melissa's story remained the same. Melissa talked about how Mariah was sick on the day she died and the day before. Mariah was not eating, and her breathing was heavy. Despite this, Melissa did not take her to a physician. After 1 a.m., a Texas ranger entered the interrogation room, which initiated a new phase in the interview. He told Melissa that he needed for her to tell him everything. She talked about the spanking again. The Texas ranger pushed her for more information. Melissa responded, quote, I don't know what you want me to say. I am responsible for it, unquote. She continued by saying she was not angry with Mariah, but was frustrated with her older children, who were very hyper. Melissa admitted that she bit Mariah while she was tickling her. Melissa did not know why she did it. Melissa denied striking Mariah in the head, insisting that she only spanked her. She indicated that no one else was responsible for Mariah's injuries, and Melissa was the only one who engaged in spanking behavior the Texas Ranger started talking about specific bruises, asking how they occurred. After he insisted that Melissa was responsible for specific bruises, Melissa said, quote, I guess I did it, I guess I did it, Unquote. She said that the other injuries, like the scratches, may have been caused by her other daughters. Between 1.22 and 3 a.m., the officers and Melissa took a break. The police collected DNA samples after this, then took another break, The interrogation resumed at 3 a.m. The Texas Ranger introduced a doll so that Melissa could show him how she bit and spanked Mariah. As she was demonstrating the spanking, she said she did it, quote, real hard, unquote. After the interview concluded, Melissa called her sister. The police officer overheard Melissa saying, quote, don't blame Robert. This was me. I did it so don't blame Robert." Melissa was charged with capital murder. She was offered a plea deal where she would spend 30 years in prison, so she would have been released at the age of 68, at the latest. She declined the plea deal. The case went to trial, and she was convicted. She was sentenced to death. She is the first woman of Hispanic descent to be sentenced to death in the state of Texas. At the time making this video, she is awaiting the delivery of her sentence in April of 2022. Now moving to my analysis. Melissa Lucio's case has caused a lot of controversy. Many people believe she should not be executed. Some people believe that she is actually innocent. Let's take a look at the evidence both for and against the idea that Melissa Lucio is guilty, starting with the inculpatory factors. Melissa's daughter was in her care prior to her death. Mariah sustained horrible injuries including a broken arm, scratches, bite marks, her hair being pulled out, and bruises all over her, including her head, chest, neck, arms, and legs. Mariah also had bruises on her kidneys, lungs, and spinal cord. A forensic pathologist testified that Mariah's injuries were not sustained in a fall. Rather, they were caused by blunt force trauma to the head, which occurred within a day before she died. Clear symptoms would have manifested right after the trauma, like lethargy and vomiting. Melissa described that Maria would lock her teeth together when she tried to feed her. This symptom is consistent with blunt force trauma. Melissa should have known that medical attention was required. Melissa confessed to spanking Mariah real hard and several times a day, day after day. She suggested that she was guilty of causing the bruises and bite marks the prosecution argued that she confessed to committing homicide. Melissa had a history consistent with being irresponsible. A few examples, she had a prior driving while intoxicated arrest. While Melissa was in jail, she accrued a number of disciplinary violations for fighting, verbal disagreements, possession of contraband, unauthorized communication, and being disrespectful to a guard. Some of Melissa's children had been removed by CPS and placed in foster care due to evidence of neglect. While being monitored by CPS, Melissa regularly tested positive for cocaine. Two of her newborn children tested positive for cocaine as well. From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule. History so interesting, it's criminal.
1: 24 hours ago, I found out the person I'd been dating and seeing for the last six months
0: Now moving to the exculpatory factors. Defense experts testified that Mariah was beaten, but her death could have been caused by a fall. Melissa's sister, who Melissa spoke to with an officer listening, testified that Melissa never said, this was me, I did it, as the officer stated. Even though Melissa had a long history of negative interactions with CPS, there was no report of her ever being violent. This is particularly significant considering there were literally thousands of pages of CPS records. One of Mariah's feet was turned inward, which made her unsteady on her feet. According to one of her siblings, Mariah had fallen down a flight of stairs on a prior occasion. During her interview with the police, Melissa never clearly admitted that she committed murder. There are multiple ways to interpret what she said. Perhaps she intended some of her statements as questions. She may have been tired like she just said whatever she needed to, to get the interview to terminate. Due to Melissa's trauma history, she may have been more vulnerable to be coerced into a false confession. One of Melissa's daughters would later say that she was the one who caused Mariah to fall down these steps. The district attorney who prosecuted Melissa was running for re-election and desperate for a guilty verdict. Later in his career, he was sentenced to 13 years in federal prison for bribery and extortion. When weighing all the evidence, do I think that Melissa Lucio was guilty of capital murder? I do not believe that she was guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, but I do believe that she was guilty in reality. Here are my thoughts about guilt in this case. I don't feel as though Melissa's statements to the police constitute a valid confession to murder. She was interviewed for five hours overnight. She was pressured with her history of trauma She would have been more susceptible to giving a false confession under those circumstances. Even with this confession being invalid as far as murder, I do think that her admission to striking and biting her daughter strongly indicates guilt. Mariah had clearly been badly harmed over a long duration. Any reasonable person would have known to seek medical attention for Mariah. As I mentioned, I don't think Melissa is guilty of capital murder beyond a reasonable doubt, However, it seems fairly clear that she committed some type of crime. I think she's probably guilty of something like manslaughter. Here are a few other items that stood out to me in this case. Item number one is how this case involved a Texas Ranger who appeared to be investing in fantasy. The Texas Ranger who interviewed Melissa starting at about 1 a.m. noted that during the interview, Melissa had her head down and did not make eye contact. He testified that he knew that she did something based on that information. He believed that if a suspect had their head down, their shoulders slouched forward, and did not make eye contact, that meant they were lying. It's disturbingly common for law enforcement officers to believe that they have some type of special mental health training to be able to detect deception or to figure out when somebody has committed a crime. In addition to them not having any meaningful mental health training, No actual mental health clinician has these magical powers either. It's impossible to determine if somebody's lying or a criminal based on body language. On the other side of the same coin, there was a master's level social worker who was excluded as an expert witness for the defense. She planned on testifying that she was able to decipher Melissa's body language and figure out what Melissa was thinking during the interview with the police and whether Melissa was being truthful. The signals she could interpret included the way Melissa acted, the way she held her body, and the way she moved her arms and hands. I find it interesting that all of the body language nonsense in this case was only used by the prosecution. Again, the social worker was not allowed to testify. The defense did not benefit from the nonsense. Item number two is the idea that Melissa's mental health and personality factors were inconsistent with committing homicide. According to mental health clinicians who assessed Melissa, she had major depression, substance use in remission, and post-traumatic stress disorder. One clinician claimed that Melissa's personality did not fit the crime, implying that it was highly unlikely that she committed murder. This clinician also suggested that Melissa may have been dissociating. As far as personality and its relationship to criminality, I would have to disagree based on the information available. Melissa appeared to have low openness to experience, low conscientiousness, low extroversion, mid-range to low agreeableness, and high neuroticism. Low conscientiousness paired with high neuroticism could certainly be associated with committing crimes. Item number three is how Melissa's trauma history could have made her more vulnerable to provide a false confession under pressure. Melissa had been the victim of abuse of a sexual nature when she was younger Her defense essentially argued that this could have explained her confession. I wasn't really impressed with her confession to start with, but it does seem like the jury believed it was important. I agree with the false confession susceptibility argument by the defense. Research shows that there are many factors that discriminate significantly between people who honestly confess and those who falsely confess. The person is a victim of bullying. Melissa probably experienced this. Substance use problems, this appears to be applicable based on the cocaine use. Negative attitude towards school, not sure about this one. History of delinquency, not sure about this one either. And a trauma history of a sexual nature, this one applies to Melissa. Melissa Lucio had three of the five major factors that lead to false confessions. Now moving to my final thoughts. What happened to Mariah was a tragedy, regardless of the perpetrator. She suffered terribly as she died. I think that Melissa is probably guilty. I think this is a case where the right person was convicted, but for the wrong reasons. There was a potentially corrupt prosecutor, a false confession, a lack of witnesses to the crime, and an alternate theory of Mariah's death. There is plenty of doubt. I think what happened here is the police decided Melissa was going to be convicted one way or the other. They were not worried about evidence and mental health factors. They were focused solely with the opinion they had formed right away. This case serves as just one more reminder to never talk to the police. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis.
1: Let me introduce you to Barry Clue, an authorized financial advisor from New Zealand and a very special kind of stain on humanity. that we're all taken care of. A psychopath is somebody who lacks empathy, acts impulsively. I think there's a strong case that Barry might be all of those things, actually. To find out how Barry Clue stole over $15 million from 81 victims, subscribe to Clueless, the long con. That's Clueless, spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S.